it's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and Washington, D.C., and this is news that you can use from Car Edge for Monday, November 13th, with your host, me, Ray, and the other guy, that handsome guy with the funky hair, Zach. And before we get started, I must say, I was at Zach's office on uh, both Saturday and Sunday. And ladies and gentlemen, I have a coat closet here in my condo that is bigger than that office. So I don't understand why WeWork had to declare bankruptcy. (laughs) (laughs) I can appreciate where you're coming from, Pops. Uh, Yeah, thank you for being here. It was really great to have you. For a day over the weekend, we enjoyed our steak dinner. Maybe we'll share some photos here in just a moment. Before we do, Dad, caredge.com. That's where all the various resources, tools, all the things that we have to help you with are back at. And today is a really interesting day in the automotive world. We now have a second ratification vote that went south. The second production facility to not unify and agree to the UAW contract uh, that was proposed by, in this case, Ford, we have to add the ratification by the um, Ford production workers in Kentucky. Yes. That actually failed to pass the threshold necessary. This is the second ratification vote that has failed GM workers in Flint, Michigan. Just last week, they failed to ratify the proposed contract as well. Did you and I yes. call it too early when I created the thumbnails and videos saying the UAW strike is over? We now have ratification votes that are not getting passed. Yes, but the overall vote, okay, um, so far has been in favor. So what what I mean by that is if there's a facility or two that the workers at that facility uh, vote down the agreement, but the vast majority of the workers vote in favor of the agreement. It's the vast majority that that will win. And so it, it only takes, I'm guessing, 50.1% overall approval for the contract to be accepted. So... I guess I guess what this suggests is that there are a percentage of workers that uh, don't think the pay increases are enough. I mean, in the first year pay increase is eleven percent. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's sort of like one of the things that I say often, at least to myself, mm-hmm. and that is. You can't please all people all the time. So just because the UAW negotiated hard and and the higher-ups at UAW negotiation negotiation teams think that they got a good and fair agreement doesn't mean that everybody in the union is going to agree with that. So does this mean mean that we could continue to see production capabilities offline until these ratification votes go through in mass. I, I mean, again, it's only two, but yeah. I don't think so. I, I, I think, the, you know, they're back to work at all the facilities pending the outcome of the vote. Now, this is, it, it's rather unusual in how long it takes the UAW to conduct the vote. Um, certain facilities, like the facility we were at in Dearborn, um, at the Rouge plant, the truck facility there, they haven't even voted yet. Um, yeah. 
but they're know, back. They, they never strike. But those that did never, strike yeah. are back to work now that there's a tentative agreement in place that still has to go through this ratification period. So it's yeah. only if like in mass these things are not ratified, then would we go back to the drawing board and say, okay, there's probably going to be another strike, you oh, know, yes. and, and renegotiations. Yes, 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 absolutely. If if the majority of the United Auto Workers vote down the contract proposals, then yes, um, they would go back on strike and they would then uh, start to renegotiate a deal. Um, one has to believe, and I could be wrong because I could be the only one that believes this, but one has to believe that that the UAW negotiators got more than what they thought they would when they started this. Yeah, they threw out that hefty number of, well, we want a 40% increase. Well, you know, I, I want to I be 5'7". Certain things in life just aren't happening. They knew True. they weren't getting a 40% increase. Um, did they think that they would ultimately be able to settle for a 25% increase? My guess is that they probably thought, well, if we could get half of the 40 we're asking for, we're doing good. Um, so I, I, I just, I, I think the negotiators understand that there really isn't much more they can push these manufacturers on and still have the manufacturers stay in business or, or settle at a higher um, at a better agreement for the workers and then have mass layoffs. So, you know, the, the, these workers need to, to weigh what's good. And what's good is it has to be a win-win for both sides. It can't just be a win for, for the manufacturers or just a win for the, for the uh, laborers. It has to be they both have to have given up more than they wanted, and they both have to have gotten a little bit more than they wanted. Yeah, you're describing a negotiation, which I, I get and I can appreciate. The thing that I that is fascinating to me and also potentially, I mean, definitely newsworthy is the fact that we've now had the second yes. the second plant say no, we're we're not going to approve this. That to me could be, I mean, hopefully, hopefully things stay in a, in a resolved state. Uh, the the world's a better place when um, you know uh, everyone's happy and production is happening and all that fun stuff. That being said, this is now the second plant that has come out and not ratified what was agreed upon. There is not a new strike happening, so I would no. just be very clear about that. There's not a new strike happening because of this. Everyone's still at work. Part shortages are you know being resolved through production lines. We've got new vehicles being produced. But at the same time, this is the second plant that has not ratified the agreement, and it could be a, a troubling trend that could lead to another it, strike. It, 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 it could be, but I think if you were to get any comments from um, Sean Fain and the executive team at the UAW and the negotiating team at the UAW, my suspicion would be is that they feel extremely confident that when – everything is said and done that the the contract will end up being ratified probably by at least i'm going to guess 55 to 60% of those who vote for it so yes it's troubling that there are some out there that that think you know this isn't good enough and everybody's entitled to that opinion if they think it's not good enough um 
Yeah, I wouldn't say that's the troubling part. Everyone's yeah. entitled to their opinion. And quite yes. frankly, I've never worked on a manufacturing line. I don't think you have. If someone thinks that no. they should get a bigger raise, more power to them. We need people yes. standing up and fighting for that. Otherwise, if we all sat down, what else would happen? We would never see, uh, you know, there would never be raises. The, the yeah. management, the executives, the public markets, they would take all that money in stock buyback. So, so we need those people doing that. The thing that's alarming to me is that all of the sentiment coming out of the prior two, three weeks of negotiations and ultimately finding resolution was we have resolution. The general mm -hmm. sentiment was the strike is over and that things are going to be good. To be very clear again, the strike is still over. No one is striking right now. The actual ratification, which is, I would not, formality is not the right word, but I'm going to use the word formality, which is the formality. You have to get ratification yes. after the upper echelon agree to everything. That is not happening right now, which could be a precursor to another strike. Could be. Hope not. Could be. We're still in the process. They're still in the process of voting. Um, this is just. We don't know how many how many facilities have voted, but we know of two facilities where they voted against it. Now, maybe maybe there's like. Ten facilities that have voted and eight facilities have voted to ratify it. And 20%, these two, have voted not to. So we don't know what those percentages are yet. And that's the beauty of these type of headlines in automotive yeah. news. And the beauty of that is it leaves out the context, okay? The headline is 55% of the workers at the Ford plant in Kentucky um, voted not to ratify it. Um, 60% or so, whatever it was at the GM Flint facility, voted not to ratify it. What we don't know is what the votes were at the other facilities. And my suspicion would be that um, they've been overwhelmingly in favor of ratification, which is why nobody's talking about them, okay? Yeah. They're not the outliers. These two are. So. Um, this helps drive readership in, in, you know, people talk about us and clickbait, you know, they just do, they just do headline bait, uh, you know, and they have, and that's publications do that. So yes, are, are they, are they looking at these two outliers and trying to, um, uh, stoke fear? Um, in the rest of us, that perhaps uh, maybe it won't get ratified. Hey, man, I'm the one who went with the UAW, just shocked Ford and GM and all caps with flames on the thumbnail. So, yeah, we got to we got to uh, toe this line very carefully. Now, okay. there are some other impacts from the UAW strike resolution. So we don't, again, have ratified agreements, but strike resolution, which are other yeah. raises for other workers here in the yes. United States, Honda. Plans 11% raise for U.S. production workers following UAW deals. We also even had the comment come through in the chat from Chris in our community. My yeah. wife works for Toyota, and as soon as the word uh, that the UAW contract was passed, they sent out a memo advising team members that they would be getting a raise, too. Yeah, and I believe at Toyota, it was it was 11.2%. Uh, I could be wrong, but yes, both Toyota and Honda, and neither one of them are represented there at None of Honda's or or Toyota's plants are um, under union UAW control. So, I mean, obviously what they do is they 
they act in what they think is good faith and and they mirror to a degree whatever the contract negotiations are um for the UAW workers which when you do that then you can honestly say what the hell do you need a union for you know we're giving it to you we're just giving it to you we you don't need you don't you don't need to be paying all them union dues you know and even but look at GM, what forced them to make that to make yeah, that move. It was yeah. the fact that the yeah. But even at GM, they're they're this is the part that I don't get, you know, because they're they're all going to complain that the cost of production has gone up, which is going to force them to raise their MSRPs even further. Mm-hmm. Now, GM, after they reached the tentative agreement with the UAW, decided to give their salaried employees a raise. Why? Were they afraid those salary employees were going to quit their jobs and want to get on the production line? I don't <laughs> think so. So what's what's the rationale for suddenly saying, well, we, we need to give a raise to our salaried employees who aren't unionized? Uh, and that just increases their expenses even further, which um, would help to bring about increased MSRPs because they have to make up for all those additional expense. That's the part I didn't get. No, I hear you, Pops. No matter how you slice it, what I found interesting today, the headline, UAW strike resolved. The reality, ratification measures take time and they're on a local level. Yes. Two two ratification efforts so far have failed. We'll keep an eye on if more do. And if more do, then yeah, maybe there's another strike in the future. We shall see. Hopefully, hopefully not. Yes. Another story. Another yes. story for today, Dad. We talked about this last week, and I want to spend a minute here on it today as well. New vehicle inventory yes. has reached 2.4 million units in the United States. That is more than the total number of used vehicles for sale, which sits at 2.3 million nationwide. We have now reached a new inflection point where new vehicle inventory, again, pull back up on the screen, 2.4 million units of inventory, 67-day supply average, listing price of $47,215, is greater than the 2.3 million unsold used vehicles for sale with a 49-day supply, $26,533 price point, and 70,000 miles on the odometer. This is an interesting inflection point. I think, you know, we haven't seen this in a long, long time. There was not enough, there were not enough new cars and obviously a used car shortage. Now we're kind of getting back to how things used to work. There were more new cars available for sale than used cars. And and if you want to if you want to make a forecast based off of that, okay. And one of the forecasts I would make, and I just Justin just wrote an article that he shared with me, and uh, he wanted me to take a look at it and and see if I thought he was uh, on the right path. And as I said to him, uh, a grasshopper, you have learned well. Next, we need to talk about about auto detailing. Wax on, wax off <laughs> makes for a much better looking car. Um, but having said that, um, I believe that with the significant increase in on-hand new car inventory and with the likelihood that we will see continued downward pressure on 
retail pricing on the new car side. And what I mean by that is we will see a greater amount of incentives from the manufacturers and a greater motivation from the dealers themselves because of the floor plan interest carrying costs on that inventory that the prices, the ultimate sale prices of new cars, in many cases, is going to come down. That should impact retail asking prices for pre-owned cars. So that should force, put pressure on lowering retail used car pricing. Yeah, absolutely. Especially... Especially if a lot of these new cars become less expensive than what the asking price is of that comparable used car. Now, trends that we see on the new car side of things also replicate themselves on the used car side. As with new cars, and has been the case for months, the lower the price segment, the tighter the inventory. Used yes. vehicles priced under $10,000 had a day's supply of 32 with the day's supply increasing with every higher price segment to the over $35,000 category, with the highest day's supply of 58 days. Once again, Honda, Mazda, and Toyota were the non-luxury brands with the lowest inventory of new, excuse me, used vehicles through September. Honda had 39 days supply, while Mazda and Toyota both had 40 days supply. Most other mainstream brands, both luxury and non-luxury, had used vehicle days supply under 50. The one thing that's interesting in there to me, yes, Mazda, we've been talking to Mazda dealers left and right. Mazda dealers have now started to join the Car Edge dealer network. Speaking of which, if you're a dealer out there and you treat your folks honestly and fairly and you'll let us vet you, you can join our network and get access to our community. That being said, Dad, Mazda yeah. dealers have a ton of new vehicles in stock and evidently not a lot of used cars out there. That's one of those examples where getting a new car could make a lot more sense than getting a used car, especially because the, the Mazda price points are not astronomical like a Ford Expedition or something like that. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, I just, there's just going to be a tremendous amount of downward pressure on pricing, both for new and used cars. There just is because of the buildup in inventories on both sides. and the cost of carrying those inventories and because of the high interest rates to for the purchaser who wants to finance that type of purchase. So I think I want to choose my words carefully because every one of my predictions has been wrong, but I think that during the month of December, um, and through the remainder of this month, with that downward pressure on both new and used, we will see some real significant savings available both on new and used cars. And, and, and when it comes to used cars, what that might mean is you might not see a dramatic reduction in the asking price, but the negotiability within that asking price could be much more significant than it has been in the past. Absolutely will be. All right, Pops, I want to come to one quick comment in the chat because I think it's timely for this conversation. Joseph is asking, yes. Ray, have you ever sold below invoice? And I think it's great if you could talk about, obviously, your personal experience and also how invoice price doesn't actually mean as much as it once used to. Well, um, in invoice, you know, we, we talk about an invoice pricing is the price that the dealer pays for the vehicle. That's how much 
the finance company sends the check for to the manufacturer. There are there are monies that dealers get to collect above and beyond that invoice price that they paid for to help bring down the actual cost of the vehicle. And those monies are advertising assistance, uh, floor plan assistance to help cover the expense of carrying the cars, um, a holdback, um, which is a percentage of the uh, original MSRP that the dealer gets when they sell the car. And then there can be other incentives that they get if there's any programs from the manufacturers uh, to them for hitting uh, sales objectives. So have I sold cars at invoice or below? Absolutely, I have. Um, you know, there's certain vehicles that just don't sell well at certain lots. Um, you know, I represented Acura for a long time. We had two vehicles that were like boat anchors. Um, we had, uh, we, 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 the, I think it was the SOX. I don't even know what the hell the name of it was, but it was a rebadged Zuzu Trooper. And that was, that was our, um, SUV. And well, they didn't sell at all. I mean, you could have one, you had a 365 day supply of cars with one. Um, so I, I, I remember one time we took like a $5,000 loser to sell it just to get it off the lot because we knew that if we didn't take the offer, the car was just going to sit there forever. The other car that was very difficult to sell was the RL. Um, you know, that was another boat anchor. So there are cars that get sold under invoice all the time. And then there are programs from manufacturers that can lead to a lot of money for a dealership if you hit the uh, their sales objective that they gave for you. And at BMW, for instance, that can be a lot of money. I remember one day the owner came in and said to one of the sales managers, he said, you took a $2,800 loss on that car. What were you thinking? And the sales manager looked up at him and said, well, that $2,800 loss qualified us for our $200,000 incentive from, from BMW. I just thought that you would be happier having that, that $197,000 check as opposed to, well, me not selling that car. So there are lots of times that cars get sold at invoice or below. And, and yes, another one was the ZDX. I mean, that vehicle was so unpopular that the only way we could sell it was, well, to place it into our service loaner fleet. Um, it's just, there's, I was talking to a dealer the other day, uh, what's the new uh, Nissan uh, EV, the Aria, I think it is. Aria. Well, they, yeah, they couldn't sell them either. So they created a special lease program for Nissan employees so that they could get the Nissan employees to get excited about selling electric vehicles. That cost, the dealer had to participate in that and, and they lost money on every one of those ones that their, their uh, salespeople and staff leased. Um, 
And then, of course, Nissan looked at him and said, well, with all the Aurias you sold, you're going to need more. And the dealers are going, no, we don't. <laughs> appreciate you sharing all that, Dad. I really, really, really appreciate you sharing that. And I think it's important because folks are in the chat talking about Mazdas now. And again, this was a big win for us last week yes. for the Car Edge community. I, maybe this will come back to bite me, but I'm pretty sure on all the CX-5s we have through the dealer network now, they're willing to go invoice price. So come to CarEdge.com, find a Mazda that you're interested in, submit your information. It comes to our team, not to the dealer. Yes. And I don't think there are any exceptions to what I just said. Like They're willing to go invoice price and even a little bit into their holdback because they just need to move these vehicles. So please, please, please take advantage of that. And quite frankly, take advantage of that not only today, but also through the end of the year. This should not just be Mazda. Like I think Toyota and Honda will still probably be the exception for the most part. You know, Toyota with some of their Tundras, they're looking to move on yeah. from those quickly. But still, you can get invoice deals again on cars and hell on some of the domestic products significantly below invoice yes. on deals. Like there are huge opportunities here. And I really appreciate you sharing your perspective, Dad. The ZDX, the RL. Like, yeah, you used to do this because this is what you had to do to move metal. And quite frankly, that's where we're back to. It, it, it was it was either it was either take the loss or stare at that son of a on the on the showroom floor for like a year. Okay. Because and you'd put it on the showroom floor because you wanted everybody to see it. Anybody that walked into the store, you wanted them to see it. And the unfortunate reality is that everybody that would walk into the store would see it and turn away from it. Um, there was no market for a ZDX. There was no market for the SLX. There, there was a really, really, really limited market for the RL. Um, so there are lots of vehicles that. They're vehicles that the manufacturer makes that nobody wants. And your job at the dealership level is to figure out how to get rid of them. And if that means losing some money to do it, then you lose the money to do it. Yeah, 100%. All right, quick win from the community. Then our favorite segment from Mama Tobes. Got my Jeep Gladiator this weekend. Win. $20,000 less <laughs> than if I had ordered it earlier this year. Thanks to you guys, I waited and negotiated as you taught. That is awesome. That, that is, is that incredible. is great, Mama Tom's. I I like yeah. hearing things like that. It validates what we do. Yeah, huge congratulations! All right, yeah. Dad, hit me with a quick ad lib, pretty please. Really? You gotta be kidding me! All right, this one today gets the really. You gotta be kidding me. We got two. I'm gonna jump right into them. I posted this over on the Exosphere at Chefska over on X. Carvana telling me that the value of my Acura MDX, my 2019 Acura MDX has gone down $1,100 in one month to $18,000. The really, you got to be kidding me, is I plug it into caredge.com slash sell. $5,500 more from the Car Gurus Network. The really, you got to be kidding me here, Dad, is there is so much volatility in used car pricing today. I, I am so glad I am not responsible for buying used cars. That, that difference in price right there is 25, 30% of the value. I mean, that is insanity between two competitors, that big of a price swing. I was blown away when I saw that. Yeah, that, that, I, I, they're just, I, I know used car pricing is subjective or used car values. You know, an appraiser looks at it, he sees this, he sees that, he thinks back to, well, how have I done with them? Uh, with these in the past, well, they've never really sold. I've always gotten stuck with them. I've always taken a huge loss. You know, he says it's 18 grand. You take that same vehicle to another dealer three miles down the road. The appraiser looks at it, doesn't see anything wrong with it, thinks back, back to all the ones he's had. 
man, I've always made a ton. They've never stuck around. I think that's worth 23.5. Okay. Same damn vehicle, two different appraisers looking at it based on two different sets of experiences with the same type of vehicle. So it's extremely subjective. Um, but this is a situation where they ain't even looking at them, <laughs> okay? So you wouldn't think that there should be a $5,500 swing in values uh, based on the algorithms that that these uh, digital uh, retailers are utilizing to determine what they should pay for vehicles. My mind was blown when I saw it again, caredge.com slash sell. Please just get your hands on that info because of $5,500 on an $18,000 car, that's a huge Huge swing. And then, Dad, the true really got to be kidding me for today. $975,000 Cadillac Cialis Celestic in the yes. Isneem and Marcus holiday gift. Um, the buyer gets a two-day trip to Detroit to watch the car get hand-built tour Cadillac house at the GM Tech Center and stay at a luxury hotel. Uh, okay, yeah. so you get that two-day trip to Detroit. So it only <laughs> that's worth it at least that's yeah. worth at least fifty grand there. Yeah, and 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 you, and, and watch the car get hand built in two days. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe they're putting the finishing touches on it, um, and 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 at a luxury hotel. And and there are some luxury hotels in downtown Detroit. Uh, we didn't happen to stay in one, but. <laughs> <laughs> But but apparently, I believe there are some. Um, you know, Neiman Marcus has always come up with these crazy Christmas gifts that are like, well, significantly more than any other Christmas gifts. You would. So this is this is for the person who has more money than they know what to do with to say, I, you know, like like the wife might say, honey. I'm getting you that Cialistique. I mean, that Celestique for 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 Christmas. You know, I mean, what's nine hundred seventy-five thousand dollars to somebody that's going to shop at Neiman at Needless Markup? Uh, I mean, <laughs> Neiman Marcus. Uh, so uh, makes perfect sense. Makes per. Uh, you know, I don't know why why you haven't made arrangements already for mine. <laughs> Dad, here from Surge, and then we're calling it a show, folks. Thank you yes. for the contribution. The Accord is popular, so you would think a dressed-up Accord would have decent market, so I wonder why no one bought the Acura RL. Again, you were raving about how you couldn't sell those things back when you were running an Acura dealership. Yeah, well, that's because people thought, well, it's no more than a gussied-up RL, and it was a bit more than a gussied-up RL, but it was a bit less than its competitor at Lexus, the LS 400 or whatever the hell it is these days. Um, so it, it didn't, it couldn't come. It just couldn't compete. It could not, it, it, it was in a niche that didn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta hate when that happens. Yeah, hey, friendly well. reminder, a new episode of auto insiders drops every single Monday here on YouTube and on your favorite podcast platforms. Today's interview and conversation is with Brandon from car questions answered. So please on the YouTube search, type in auto insiders with Ray Shevska and the channel will pop up. Been really awesome. I'm about, uh, yeah, actually, I finished the, uh, the episode with Brandon earlier this morning. I thought it was really awesome. So I encourage everyone to give it a listen. 
And again, caredge.com slash podcasts to find where you can listen to it on your favorite platforms. And may I say before we go away, and I know you have something you need to run into, um, but if you listen to that podcast, you know, we had agreed that Brandon would get in touch with me weekly so I could keep him on track to spend more time with his family. Truth of the matter is I get in touch with him weekly to make sure that he's staying on task and spending more time with his family. Um, so just between you and me, it's not just talk. Okay. I don't just talk the talk. I actually walk the walk. I, I text Brandon or I actually call Brandon to make sure he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Uh, so there you have You guys it. are friends. It's really sweet. It's really, yeah. really sweet. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't want him to do what I did. Not not see his family. (laughs) All right, folks. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be back tomorrow at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Thank you all for being here. And Dad, I love you. Enjoy your Monday. I I love you as well. Thank you for uh, for allowing me to uh, do this with you on a daily basis.